Especially when you're starting out, I see some photographers are trying to break the rules right away because they think, oh, I'm going to be creative. And that's awesome. But the sooner you figure out the basics and uh, the classic shots that you kind of, you know, you have to get them that I know I have to get at every wedding. There are certain portraits, certain wide images that are, you know, they're just part of the wedding album that I know every client wants to see. So you just have to practice. Like, it's just all about practice. And after you can actually get creative because you just get uh, the musts, like the, the classic pictures, and then you have the time to do the creative stuff. Welcome to the Beginner Photography Podcast brought to you by CloudSpot. Each week on the show, we interview the world's most interesting photographers to find out what it really takes to capture beautiful images and compelling stories so that you can start to do the same. Welcome back, my photo friends. Today, we got a good one. It is with destination wedding photographer Julia Eskin. Now, Julia is not a destination wedding photographer in the sense that she travels to weddings, but she lives in a destination location and shoots weddings for couples who travel to where she is. Now, that may seem like a, a small distinction, but with COVID effectively canceling her entire wedding business, she had to get creative in the ways that she could still you know, do what it is that she loves and make a living. Now, one thing that will stand out to you is when you look at Julia's work, her use of light and composition to not only document a wedding, but also show off its beautiful location, you know, that her couples have chose to be the setting as one of the most important days of their lives. So Julia in this episode is going to share some great tips on how to better see compositions and how to even practice flash at home so that you can prepare for a wedding day. Lots of great stuff. With that, let's go ahead and get on into this one with Julia Eskin. Julia, my first question for you is, when did you know that photography was going to play uh, an important role in your life? I actually have a different story than a lot of photographers. I chose it as a career intentionally. So um, it just like, it just clicked. My best friend was getting ready for destination wedding and we're looking for so many pictures. And uh, I was at that point in my life where I was trying to decide what I want to do after graduating with Bachelor of Science, which didn't really give me much. And uh, I was looking at the pictures and I'm like, wow, maybe I can do that. Sounds like a fun career, like traveling, doing destination weddings and taking pictures and going to weddings. So I kind of picked it intentionally and I didn't even, I was not into photography at all. Like maybe I had a point of shoot camera and that's it. And I just so, decided that's what I'm going to do. It is, it is a fun career, especially I say that uh, it's mm -hmm. one of the only jobs where you can show up every day for work and there's cake, which is so wonderful, yeah. not just on Fridays. Um, I, I want to know more about, um, you said that you went to school, you got yourself a bachelor's of science. Like you obviously uh, had chose some sort of path or had an idea of maybe something that you wanted to do. What was that? decision like to change career paths and decide you know what i'm going to abandon everything that i've learned so far and move forward with uh with photography was that a difficult uh, decision to make 
no, it was actually a pretty easy decision to make. Uh, I was also working uh, in a nonprofit while I was a student. I was working there for five years, and it was very fulfilling as, you know, it's a charity work. Um, but I was working in the office all the time, and at some point I realized, like, I can't, I, I'm not an office person. Like, this is not for me, the nine-to-five every day and uh, I knew that I had to be out there so when I realized there is like wedding photography and destination weddings it just clicked like it was an easy decision I wanted to travel but I needed to make money obviously so yeah it just clicked <laughs> that's too funny uh no pun intended there um, <laughs> so obviously you had that point and shoot camera you'd been taking photos, you know, like many of us do, I'm sure just snapshots of mm -hmm. things throughout your life. When you had decided, you know what, I'm going to do this professionally, was there a steep learning curve or did you pick up photography pretty, pretty easily? Uh, yes, I actually spent all my free time just learning anything I could find. Uh, that was just over 12 years ago. So um, there was not that much online back then. Uh, so lots of books, uh, anything I could find online. Um, and it was learning like every minute, every spare minute I had, I was, I was learning like, and I got the simple, you know, the simplest DSLR back then and uh, taking lots of pictures and learning, trying and learning, reading, trying to understand things. Um, I was like, I was set. Like, I was like, I'm going to do this. So it was a steep learning curve, but it worked out. It was definitely worth it. What do you think was the hardest thing for you to understand about photography? I think just from a technical standpoint. Uh, the light. Yeah. I couldn't understand the light. Like, just, I remember uh, there's this book. It's from way back. Uh, I think it's called Understanding Light. Uh, I don't remember the author, but, um, and I remember reading the book and he explains it so well, different type of light, like backlight, front light, just like side light. And I couldn't get it. Like I was taking pictures, they came out well, I could kind of, but I couldn't see the light. Mm -hmm. And uh, the moment it clicked and I could see the lights, my life changed, like my whole world it's just like it opened up to me like oh this is what it's all about like that's when just all the camera settings everything just just clicked together like it was like a puzzle and it's right. all together now <laughs> that's funny <laughs> i feel the same way about light it's one of those things to where i think it's funny how like um you know, everybody today has a, a camera with them wherever they go, even if it's just their cell yes. phone. And we can capture great photos. But it's like the people who are able to consistently capture great photos, like if you look at those images, it's not the camera gear because it can still be a cell phone. But it's, it's either, you know, a great moment or um, the the use of light the way that that was captured. Um so again, I love that. Sure. When it comes to the the learning aspect, you knew that you wanted to go into wedding photography. How did you practice photography? Uh, like, did, did you just, what were those first days like? Did you just buy a camera and say, hey, I'll shoot anybody's wedding for free? Or did you start practicing, practicing, practicing before you started shooting weddings? What was that like? Uh, definitely practicing with 
anyone I can get in front of my camera. So lots of friends, uh, friends of friends, uh, couples. Um, so anyone I can get, but I wanted people in front of the camera because I knew uh, for wedding photography, I would have to deal with people. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's what I see. Like a lot of people start with, uh, um, they're trying to get into portrait or wedding photography, but they mostly stick with the um, uh, landscape or oh, yes. I don't know, macro photography. Uh, but you do need people in front of the camera. So because you learn how to pose, uh, you learn how to work with people, actually give directions, um, capturing moments that only happen between people. Like if it's, especially for weddings, because um, it's all about moments too. So, yeah. When you were uh, trying to get those people in front of your camera, did you, were you trying to learn both photography and posing at the same time? Because that sounds exhausting. Oh, pretty much. Like, yeah. and I, if I could get a couple in front of my camera, it was, it was very nerve-wracking. Like, what do I do to them? And they also had certain expectations. I was obviously doing it for free at first, but um, it's still like they had their expectations of how they're gonna how the pictures are going to come out so i tried both like i was trying to learn anything i could at that moment when you look back at some of those earliest photos which i know is is just such a such a fun (laughs) and non-torturous exercise to do uh but when you do look back at some of those earliest photos is there anything that stands out as like uh, an amateur mistake that you made or something that you wish that you could go back and, and, and just change in your photography journey? Of course. It's just uh, light, as I mentioned light. before. I didn't understand it completely, so I was just doing the very simple mistakes. And um, I was trying to fix the problem with my camera settings or in post-production, but it was actually something that just understanding the light would bring it together. Like that was the most common mistake. It's just not understanding light and trying to fix it with um, post-production, which is, yeah. Time consuming, if anything. Yeah, Not only is it difficult to learn because it's so subjective, but also very, very time consuming. Um, I know that um, you started your photography journey in Canada, is that right? Yes, I did, yes. Mm -hmm. And then you decided to move down to Punta Cana or was there, was that it? Or did you, I'm sorry, uh, that, that's yeah. getting too long of a question. Is that, was that the, was that the progression for you? Uh, no, I actually wanted to be a destination wedding photographer. I wanted to, tra- I was young and I wanted to travel the world. <laughs> and so that seemed like a path to go. I'm like, wow, destination weddings, I can go places, I can make money and they'll even pay for my travel. So uh, I was traveling from Canada to Cuba, to Dominican Republic, to Mexico. Uh, then we started uh, traveling more and we went to Thailand, Bali. Uh, but we settled in Dominican Republic just because I had so many bookings here and uh, we had kids. So <laughs> we kind of, <laughs> that uh, traveling and kids. So. We decided to settle down here. Yeah, I 
we have uh, we have two kids, uh, a nine-year-old <laughs> and a five-year-old, and um, exactly the same difficult. age. Sorry, yeah. Oh, really? Same age? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It same is. Boys. It is definitely difficult uh, to get them on planes and you know worry about you know making sure that they're safe and that they got everything that they need. Yes. So I totally understand that. Um, but now you live in this beautiful destination location. So now I guess instead of you going to where couples are getting married, they're kind of coming to you. So when couples hire you to shoot weddings, are, are they looking for something different in their images that maybe they couldn't have got if uh, if they got married back home? Does that question make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, I think um, it's not just the images. I think it's the whole experience of a destination wedding. Um, they usually only, well, mostly the closest family members and uh, the closest friends actually make it to destination weddings uh, just because it involves travels, hotels. Um, uh, it's, you know, everyone, people who come here, they obviously need to plan for that. Um, and they're not, yeah, a lot of them are looking for the experience and the imagery. Like, I've met so many brides who just had that um, image in their heads that they are on the beach and getting married. And that's what they love. Like, they love the sun, um, the background, and having all their closest family and friends partying with them, not just for the wedding many times, but like five days for a week when they come here. So when, I know that like when I photograph a wedding here in Indianapolis, it's like the couples, mm -hmm. they will, they'll pick out a venue that they love, that they think is beautiful. And the photos that we get there are, they're nice. But I think the, what the couples love most about the photos is, the connection between them two in the image, regardless of where it is, with a destination location, it seems a little bit different. It's like you have to think of that element of a beach as like a a third party. Does, does that make sense? Is that is that right, or does that is that to, am I totally off there? Oh, it does. Yeah. So they, yeah, of course, for them, it's their dream come true because for destination weddings, it's a lot of. Um, well, any wedding is a lot of planning, but destination weddings, not all of them have a chance to actually fly here before they get married here. So it is a big part of the wedding. Um, but the connection also matters. And I think the whole experience is just slightly different. So um, the moments and uh, how they perceive the day can be a little bit different. So the pictures are probably a little different oh, too. Yeah. And of course, the location is part of that. Like they probably act different here than they would back home. Of Hey, Raymond here. If you're sometimes baffled by which camera settings to use, then I've got just the thing for you. My free guide, Picture Perfect Camera Settings. It's a fantastic starting point for anybody eager to understand the basics of camera settings in various shooting scenarios. And it's tailored to beginners who want to get out of auto mode, providing clear, easy to follow suggestions on where to start with your settings. So whether you're capturing a stunning landscape or a family portrait, Picture Perfect Camera Settings will help you to get off of automatic mode and explore the possibilities your camera offers. 
Remember, mastering photography settings is a journey, and this guide is your first step, and the perfect resource to guide you towards finding the right settings for your style. So grab your copy today at perfectcamerasettings.com and start your journey to better photos. Of course, of course. I can't tell you how many yeah. weddings it's like you go to and you know maybe they, they forgot something and they have to go back home and you know get it or whatever. And it just seems like whenever yes. that happens, I don't want to say that they're taken out of it, but it almost like there's a bit of magic that's lost on the wedding day where you're in a hotel, you're in like a, a new location, like you're doing all these things, but still being close enough to home. Um, I don't know that there's something within that where, where hearing if you do go get married somewhere else, I could imagine that there's a lot less, maybe more stress in some areas, but also a lot less stress because you can't worry about, you know, oops, I forgot this at home or whatever. Um, that that wasn't a question. Sure. I apologize. I just kind of went off on a, on a little <laughs> tangent there. But uh, sure. <laughs> I want to go more into your photography here because uh, mm -hmm. looking at your images, they are gorgeous. And if I was getting married in Putacana, like that's exactly what I would want because if I'll, I'm going to post some images, of course, in the show Thank notes. Thank you. Of course, they're just they're gorgeous. And as I said earlier, there is this relationship between the couple that I can see in the photos and their um, joy together. Um, and they're obviously enjoying that moment. But also. We're at the beach. We get we get, you know, the, these beautiful views. And it's not just, hey, here's a couple in a beautiful location. It's hey, here's a beautiful location and a beautiful couple. And I don't know if there's, looking at your photos, I know that there's a tight relationship not only between the couple but the location itself. So from a photographic standpoint, like what elements are you trying to pull in or incorporate to deliver that for your, for your clients? So, um, yeah, the location is a big part of it, especially because they – picked it, um, being away from here, like not actually, a lot of them, as I mentioned before, don't actually come here before the wedding. So incorporating that into the picture and trying to show it um, um, as part of their memories. Like I want to make sure uh, it's not just them, just to show so that when they look back at the pictures many years later, they actually remember the feeling being there, being in that place, like the breeze on the on the beach and um, the gorgeous sunset and uh, the palm trees in the background. So all of those things, um, obviously, like we're trying to capture that and bring the couple together, like bringing it all together. So it forms this memory when they look back at the pictures. Hey, Raymond here, and we will get back to today's show in just a moment. I know that you've seen self-proclaimed quote-unquote photography influencers selling Lightroom presets for, you know, 20, 50, or even $100. But here's the thing. Presets are a learning tool and not a one-click solution to fix a bad photo. Well, I want to help you by giving you my 52 free Lightroom presets over at freephotographypresets.com. Use presets to learn editing on your own so that you can create your own signature editing style, not somebody else's. Again, grab your 52 free Lightroom presets today at freephotographypresets.com. Now, back to today's interview. Yeah. And again, 
I think that it's like just looking at them. It just it's just very beautiful. It's very beautiful, and I think that it's <laughs> thank you. It's the type of images where I think a lot of people want to get into destination wedding photography, mm -hmm. or you know, like a lot of new photographers want to travel with their camera to be able to get interesting scenic views. And it's like you guys have the uh, uh, the luxury of of living in a place like this and being able to incorporate both those things together. But from a photography standpoint, when I look at your work, just technically breaking it down, I think that you're very good mm -hmm. at several things, but two things stand out, composition and your use of light, you know? So obviously you overcame that um, uh, barrier earlier with light, but I wanna know more about the composition here. Where where did this come from? Where did your education in composition um, come from? We'll just start there. Uh, it's just trying and practicing. And um, it's also about being brave, trying to break. Once you figure out the rules, like the rule of thirds and uh, the basics of the photography, it's when I realized I can try and break the rules a little bit or um it's just about trying so the way i look at it like i always take the safe pictures first where i know it's a you know it's a simple nice classic composition mm -hmm. and after i'm done that i know i can play around like i can get high get low um play around with reflections um just try different things. It's a lot about moving around, uh, getting closer or stepping back. That's an important, uh, to me, this is really important. Um, just trying to find a different perspective and that's where composition, different compositions, interesting compositions uh, fall into place. Uh, once you try and some pictures don't work out, like you get low and they're like, oh, this doesn't look good. Yes. I had something in mind, but that's, it doesn't come out like that in the picture. Uh, but then you get higher up. You're like, oh, you know, there's stairs right here. There is a little balcony. Maybe I can try something from there. And uh, you get higher up and boom, like it's, wow, it covers <laughs> the view. Uh, also, because we are, like, there are tall palm trees and... Um, the beach. I use a lot. I love the wide lenses. To me, like 24 millimeters, that's, that's my, a sweet spot, uh, huh? yeah, that's a sweet spot for, um, I kind of look at it as a landscape with, and incorporating uh, the couple into the landscape picture. So mm. I look at the place and I'm like, wow, that would be good landscape picture. And then, um, so I just need to figure out where to place, where where the good composition is to place the couple. So it all comes together. So there is a landscape and then I just put kind of try to envision where would I put the couple. And yeah. sometimes like we, with flash, actually, we try it. So I shoot with my husband. He's my second, he's been my second photographer <laughs> for many years. And uh, we actually practiced that. Um, will uh, I'll ask him to spend, you know, where I would place the couple if we have a moment and uh, prepare for that shot. So I actually play with the composition that way too. 
yeah, before the couple steps into it. That's very, yeah. very important. Because I feel like on a wedding, but, like, you don't want to steal away a couple's time. So very smart. No, very smart no, tip. of course. Yeah, no, 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 of course. That's um, either if there is a short break or um, or before, obviously, mm-hmm. before the event. And it's like always stepping back or getting closer, getting low, or getting high. Like this... Mm-hmm. Either one of those usually can, you know, you can figure out a different composition, uh, different view, and the image just comes out uh, a little different, like it all shows more of what's actually happening. And I think at the end of the day, that's all that we're trying to do, right? We're trying to prove as photographers that we were hired for a reason and that we can get photos that your aunt Sally isn't going to get or whatever with her iPhone. And that that's one of the biggest things. Yeah. But still, when I talk to like new photographers, it's okay. I, I understand what the rule of thirds is. I understand what framing is. I understand what leading lines are, you know, but to keep all those things in your head and to constantly look for them, at least in the beginning can be very difficult. So for you, how long would you say that it took you before you went out thinking, you know, okay, framing, leading lines, rule of thirds in your head. And you just, you just, Shoot. Does that make sense? Yes. So that's um, that. These are the rules I obviously still have in my head every time I shoot. Uh, And to me, that's like they're almost automatic now. Mm -hmm. You know, when I pick up the camera and I start shooting, uh, it did take some time. So it's a lot of practice. But as I mentioned before, just um, especially when you're starting out, I see some photographers are trying to break the rules right away because they think, oh, I'm going to be creative. And right. that's awesome. But the sooner you figure out the basics and um, the classic shots that you kind of, you know, you have to get them, to me, they're must that I know I have to get at every wedding. There are certain portraits. Um, certain wider images that are, you know, they're just part of the wedding album that I know mm-hmm. every client wants to see. So you just have to practice. Like, it's just all about practice and noticing after every shoot, it's like, oh, I, I all my pictures are really tight. Like, they're really close. Maybe, you know, next time I do the close-up shots and then I'll do some wider images. So the more you practice, it just becomes automatic. And after, you can actually get creative because you just get uh, the musts, like the the classic pictures, you know, out. And then you have the time to do the creative stuff. Do you think that you would... There are two ways to bring home more money with your photography business. You either get more clients or you spend less of the money that you make. CloudSpot Studio helps you keep more of what you earn. With the lowest payment processing fees in the industry, the average photographer will save $300 annually. And that's just more money to invest in essential gear like a new flash or a sweet camera bag. You know, one that is perfect for storing all of the wedding day snacks that you can pack. But it's not just about savings. CloudSpot Studio is designed to streamline your workflow. Easily organize shoots, send contracts, questionnaires, invoices. 
and you're really going to enjoy the hassle-free payments. So sign up for a free CloudSpot account at deliverphotos.com and... As a bonus, you're going to get access to my exclusive wedding and portrait contracts and questionnaires at no additional cost. Why let fees chip away at your profits? Empower your photo journey with CloudSpot and watch your business soar. Hold on. What is this question here? Do you think that you have a, a compositional style like that you could explain? I've never thought of this before, so I'm wondering if this is even like a, a a good question or not. But do you have anything to say about that? Um, it's to me in terms of composition. It's um, as I mentioned before. I do love the wider photos just to show off the um, the location and the landscape. Uh, I think that's my go-to style for me personally okay where yeah no i'm sorry go on go on no where i'm just trying to imagine how can i capture this location this landscape and the couple in it so you mentioned palm trees earlier right now Mm -hmm. when i think of a beach you know oftentimes it can be it's a blue ocean it's a blue sky right you throw in some palm trees yeah. like that does say beach, but are there any other elements that you try to incorporate in that, uh, that, that tell a similar story? Uh, sunset. So I'm actually big into nighttime portraits. So I use, uh, I use flash, not a lot, but I'm trying to show, I love that moment. So there is a moment, um, it, it gets dark early here in Punta Cana. So there is this moment between when it's completely dark mm-hmm. and it's just getting dark, probably like, well, dusk, I guess. It's uh, it's a short moment. Like it gets really, it gets dark really quickly here. In Canada, for example, this period of time when the sun sets down, it's a lot longer Yes, from my experience. So um, just knowing that time when the sun goes down and it's not always um, a perfect uh, pink sunset, but just that, um, just that moment when the sky is kind of blue before it gets completely dark and incorporating the lights of the venue uh, or any other lights that we can find nearby and mm-hmm. compensating for that with a flash. Uh, these are my, I know the nighttime portraits that clients just love. Like, and most of the time it's just using one flash with a modifier. So it's more um, for beginners. Uh, the modifier just makes um, the light more direct. Like it uh, makes it into a spotlight. Mm-hmm. And uh, that perfect moment when the sky is blue, the lights, you know, the lights are nice in the background and incorporating that together. And for me, I find the couples also find this moment important to them. That's usually when everyone sits down for dinner and I pull them out for like five minutes uh, just for those nighttime portraits. And they love it. Like they love the result, but they also love the moment of just two of them like everyone is inside or wherever you know aside um you know it's dinner time and just those five moments just two of them 
um, with, you know, this dusk, feel like it's getting dark and it's like their wedding day, it all comes together. Like mm -hmm. this is um, my other go-to. <laughs> yeah, it definitely gives them space to breathe. I've realized uh, I do I do it similar. It's like if everybody is still mm -hmm. eating, like I'm gonna steal them away so that they don't have to talk to people while eating. Uh, and yeah, it just makes yeah. it makes for a perfect time. Uh, so uh, continuing to talk here about Flash, I think that myself when I first started, I started actually in um, cinematography. So I wanted to like shoot movies and then transition mm -hmm. into photography and learning the lighting aspect of photography was very different than it is for uh, for, for movie making. So for me, um, I was using light as just a simple way to increase the exposure of my image, right? So most of the time it was just mm -hmm. on camera. But then learning to be able to take it off camera is where you can really do artistic things, you know, like you're saying here. So yeah. you gave us the one example, you know, kind of nighttime, it's looking good. Uh, using one flash kind of makes them stand out. Um, can you talk to me more about the how you artistically use flash maybe in other senses of the day maybe uh, reception or um just other bridal portraits oh of course so i also use flash uh with getting ready so when the bride is getting ready in the room i um it depends on the room but if i see that there is something where i can use the flash I'll definitely use it and it's the same way it's just the spotlights and usually incorporating some kind of lights uh, in the room so if it's a chandelier and there is a mirror like I'll just uh, use a flash to put some light on the bride for example and then incorporate the chandelier in that picture because it's uh, part of the room where they're getting ready for example so that's um, that's for getting ready. Also for reception, yes, we love um, we love the dance. Like we love the party. This is it's my favorite part, yeah. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I know a lot of people find it exhausting, and they're like, "Oh, I just need." I worked with videographers before that they're not too excited about that, but I personally love it. Like there's so many moments that happen on the dance floor that I know for sure will never happen again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think the memories from, um, from that party, from that dance floor are, to me, they're priceless. And I think for the people in the pictures, they're priceless as well. Like this is happening. They're in Dominican Republic or wherever they are and they have all their friends around and they're having fun. Like they're having the time of their life. So we do use a flash uh, on the dance floor a lot. Like we actually get in the action. Um, we use a flash with a small softbox and- uh, On camera, um, right? No, no, actually, okay. so uh, my husband, he is holding the light and ah. he's watching me. So I'm with the camera. Um, he's watching me where I see the action. And he's not even looking at, you know, what's happening. He's just looking at me where I'm pointing the camera and he knows he's going to point the light there. Oh. So that makes, um, that works out really well. We came out, we came up with, I think I saw someone else uh, doing this and it just worked out perfectly because we shoot together. 
So he actually puts his camera down and he's just holding the light uh, on a monopod with a small softbox. Mm-hmm. And he's just watching and I move around and I'm like, oh, this person is going to, you kind of learn to anticipate who is going to do a fun move, like who's oh, going to yes. jump, who's going to, I don't know, um, pour do champagne, crazy. <laughs> like, yeah, do champagne, something yeah. crazy. And so he's just watching me as I move around with the camera and he's just lighting up where the action is happening. Mm-hmm. And so- it works out really well. It gives this feeling, um, it puts like a spotlight mm-hmm. on the action and we compensate obviously for the, um, for the background. Is, is the flash that he's holding, is it uh, from above coming down or is it from behind to backlight them? What, what direction is that coming from? <laughs> So he's actually on the side. He's usually, we try to light from the side because we find that's the best angle, mm-hmm. like that works. So he's on the side and uh, of my camera, usually to either side, and that works out the best in terms of lighting. Gotcha. Okay. Um, now I want to go back to the getting ready real quick because I feel like I can picture that mm-hmm. photo in my head, but I just want to make sure. So if we have a bride, she's getting ready, maybe getting uh, hair done or you know putting in earrings perhaps, and there's a beautiful chandelier in the room. Oftentimes these rooms have they have big windows. There's lots of light at the beach. It's coming in. Can you explain why are we using flash? What is the flash actually doing? How is it helping you achieve a uh, a better photo? So it really depends on the room. Like sometimes, um, like if the chandelier or something is in the back of the room, it's not that much light coming from the windows. Like if it's further away from the windows. So if you try to just, you know, if you try to do a natural light picture, it, the chandelier might be, like you might not see it as well. Like it doesn't give that feeling of that, kind of almost a darker corner of the room where the bride is standing. Like you're compensating for that and it's just a little flat. So I would bring the exposure down a little bit. So kind of like more to make sure that the chandelier is visible Mm -hmm. and then add a flash on the bride so that we can see the bride like and see the chandelier at the same time. So we so, underexpose, and then the flash mm-hmm. is used to compensate for underexposing the entire room to just highlight the bride. Exactly. Okay. Thank you. You explained it perfectly. <laughs> well, I know. <laughs> Sometimes I've seen, yeah. I've seen obviously a lot of photos that you posted on Instagram, and I just wanted yes. to. Uh, I'm sure that we'll possibly have an example that maybe we can put in the show notes. Oh, of um, course, yeah. I'll send you okay. some pictures. Very cool. Uh, I just wanted to make sure because I know a lot of people, you know, maybe listening in the car or the gym trying to figure that out. Mm -hmm. Because I think that was a hard one for me is figuring out why would I go through the trouble of setting up a light when there's plenty of light in this location? You know, like, why would I do that? And I think that once you can figure that out, oh, wait, if I overpower the the natural light in here, I can essentially Mm -hmm. create whatever I want to. And that's a big change. Um, for photographers. Uh, I know that you were, you know, talking earlier about learning light, and that was difficult to kind of understand. When you were learning light, was it just you trying to see the light that was around you? Or, again, were you trying to learn photography, learn posing, and 
off camera flash photography all at the same time? Uh, it was all at once, um, mostly with natural. <laughs> I know <laughs> all so at once much. at first. I know, and that's maybe why I couldn't figure it out for a while. So that was probably a mistake I was doing. I was trying to figure it all out at once. And wow. uh, looking back, I should have figured out the lights first, then the posing, then um, the timelines and like the must-have shots. But yes, I was doing it all at the same time, but the flash was intimidating at first. I think it's intimidating for everyone. Like it's one of those things that you're like, oh, I'll only use it if I have to. Um, but once I figure out the lights, like it's also seeing it around you. Now, obviously I just, I just know, like I can just yes. see it in front of me, you know what I'm talking about. But first it was like, trying to figure out um, the natural light and then the flash. Honestly, you can practice at home. Like I just started practicing at home. There's no pressure. If you, you know, in your room, just turn on the lights. Like if you have a, um, a small light like that you can position here or position here, trying to imitate um, a room where the bride is getting ready, for example, or if you have a chandelier at home and uh, trying to do a picture at the table, for example, like at the dinner table and uh, just playing around. And then it gives you like when you have no pressure and you just try those things at home, it's a lot easier. Like you can actually, like even the reflections, like if you have a mirror at home, just just play around with it. Try taking different pictures with that mirror, like, because you do have mirrors um, uh, at different venues, and uh, that can give something. You know, that can give a different perception mm -hmm. of what's going on. So you can just practice at home. That's what I did. Like, and it helped a lot. Like some of those things that I would see a picture online, I'm like, how did they do that? And just trying to reproduce that or figure out like the lights. And then it's just practice, practice, practice. And then, oh, okay. You figure it out at home. Then you can try it at your next wedding. Yes. It's that practice though that, I think a lot of people, I think there's a difference between just practice and the right practice. And I think that that's where a lot of people get caught up, you know, because with photography, sure, you can walk around your house and, you know, practice your uh, aperture, ISO, shutter speed, like see all these, these things around your house. Yeah. But then not knowing, I guess, maybe the purpose of flash and how to incorporate it, that can be a difficult thing. And obviously you figure that out. You're like, I'm just, I'm just going to get in this. I'm going to dive deep into wedding photography and see where flash is used and then practice that at home but for those who um are intimidated right now with flash but you've convinced them okay maybe maybe i'll bring a flash to my next wedding what is let's say that we want to give them a challenge of just shooting one photo with flash what is like the easy first setup to do bread and butter uh, simple to capture and couples love it. What would that photo look like? What can we task our listeners to to capture at their next wedding? So first, get your camera, uh, get your flash off the camera. So try putting it somewhere else. Try putting it on the side, on the 
on a little mount, uh, a little light stand, but to the side. Try to get it off the camera so you can uh, you can have a little bit more room and you can light up uh, the bride or the couple from a side. Next thing, it's um, so that's the easiest thing to do. Just try and play around with it because once you have this flexibility, uh, getting the the um, the flash off the camera, that gives you a whole new world. Like you can step back, you can get closer, you can move the flash back and forth. Uh, the transmitters, uh, I'm usually, I'm, I've been using Young Noor cheap transmitters for Same. years. Yeah. And, and the flashes too. And they were great. Like they're cheap. I'm on the beach. Like our flashes fall all the time. Unfortunately, if it's windy, like they just smash, but they're super cheap. They were great. So I have like a whole backpack of flashes right. <laughs> and I know, but they were great. I have a transmitter and receive, like I have a, a receiver on every camera and um, it's, yeah, it's basically getting the flash off the camera. That's, that's the best way to start and the whole new world opens up. And then if you have a chance to use a modifier, um, a modifier, it's just, uh, you put something like there are different brands. Uh, I use Magmod, I think, but there are some cheaper brands that you can put on the flash just to direct that light. It's it's going to change your world. Like it's a whole. You'll see, you'll see how you can add the flash in a completely different way. Like I just getting it off the camera and. Um, playing around with it like getting close further away uh you can change the direction of the light that makes a huge difference to me once i figured out that i can actually have it somewhere else it changed my world like this yeah. is like wow i can do this <laughs> and also reverse engineering the pictures to me um i would see a beautiful picture with um uh, flash I could figure out that there was a flash used for that picture it's like how can I go back and try and recreate this picture like what where would I need the flash like where would I need to stand like what um and a lot of times a lot of pictures you see they're just one flash as I mentioned before like sometimes it's two but a lot of pictures it's just one flash but it's a certain angle and the modifier, and that's it. And no you need just to think about things. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you just think of it as a flashlight. To me, um, it's just flash you can't see. That's, I guess, the biggest challenge with the flash because um, with a flashlight, you can just, you know, if it's a flashlight, you can just put a flashlight on the object or you know people of your couple but with the flash you can't see it so it's a little tricky like well what's going to happen it's more it's more of a surprise to me it was like okay it's so quick like i can only see it in the picture i can't actually see the light but uh, as you learn like and you understand that this light is like it's a beam of light um it just all comes together I love it. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. I know that um, 
you know, where we're at in the world right now, 2020 had to have been a pretty difficult year to be a, uh, a uh, you know, a wedding photographer in a destination <laughs> location. Um, how did how did your business survive? What'd you do? So um, we actually, well, everything was canceled. <laughs> so all of our weddings uh, were just every morning I would wake up. I had a lot of weddings booked. Uh, and I would wake up and there is another cancellation or another postponement to whenever, like mm -hmm. maybe in the fall, you know, people didn't know what's going to happen yeah. when they're going to be able to travel. Everything was closing down. And uh, I was waking up and just seeing all those cancellations. But uh, because we uh, were destination wedding photographers, we started a small uh business and actually building up for that business even before COVID, mostly for destination weddings, uh, to live stream weddings. And that uh, helped and it grew a lot. So for destination weddings, unfortunately, it was really difficult. Like we, the country was closed for about five months. I think we didn't have any flights, uh, but um, the live streaming uh, grew so much and it uh, all because we have an app for the phone we developed it for ourselves at first like this was wow. an idea that we can use uh, for our destination wedding clients so that they can uh, their family and friends who could not be there they could see the wedding and we were offering it to our clients uh, but with COVID it grew so much like and uh, our app is being used all around the world, like Australia, New Zealand, uh, Asia, all around the US, Canada, South America. And um, so that helped a lot. Like we're actually, I'm mostly involved with that now, but I still do shoot weddings um, and uh, mostly because I love it. So, and uh, I'm sorry, yeah. go on. I, I was gonna ask like with, with live streaming, I mean, that's something that I've, I've never done at a wedding because I feel like, at least for me as a photographer, it's like that's a lot of stuff going on. So is this focused, is this uh, marketed to photographers to add on or videographers to enhance their uh, packages? Yes, exactly. So we developed a very simple app uh, to live stream directly from the phone. And we do have a lot of photographers and videographers who just added to their packages and clients love it especially you know with COVID it was an important thing to do but even now like a lot of people have family and friends all over the world so um, a lot of photographers and videographers figured out that it's great to have and to be able to stand out like when people look at different packages and they're like oh live streaming is included um, I personally love our app for the iPhone. Like it's uh, amazing. Like we developed because we're photographers ourselves. So we developed it. Um, we have like an audio meter and a little exposure adjustment. And um, our pages are made for photographers and videographers. So they're white labeled with, uh, um, with their logo and the emails are branded. So we kept all of that in mind, uh, but it's super simple to do. I know it seems complicated, but with an app, it's uh, we really try to make it simple. Mm 
I am all about the simplicity, like one light <laughs> yes. uh, for flash, for example. Um, so the, with live streaming, we tried to do the same thing. And uh, it works really well for many people. Like we actually had some photographers who were just offering live streaming when their uh, weddings were canceled. A lot of them, they just started, they got into live streaming and just started offering live streaming with our app in wow. their and area. They able, and, oh my goodness. And they were able yeah. to save their businesses. That's very Oh cool. yeah, of course. Like, and they were actually... Uh, streaming other people's wedding just because they advertised for that and started offering live streaming. So they had um, they have they had some extra income. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I hope that that I hope that the trend of smaller weddings continues because sometimes massive weddings can get um, uh, over the top. I'm sorry, that's me right there. No, no. I thought that I turned this off. I apologize for that. Um, um, yeah, I, I again, it's one of those things where it's like I love shooting smaller weddings because um, I, I feel like the 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 couple has a, a better day. It's it's less stressful. They're not always worried about all of their guests um, and being able to just live stream their wedding to all the people who maybe they didn't want to invite uh, sounds wonderful. <laughs> so best of both worlds there. That's very cool. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And for actually for photographer, like for smaller weddings, uh, a lot of people will hire a photographer for an hour or two, but they don't, um, they might not fire, hire a videographer. So with live streaming, they kind of get both, like they get the live yeah. stream and uh, the video is saved in high definition on the phone and the couple gets that too, to keep. So oh, wow. it works out really well. So we have... Um, uh, for especially for small weddings where there is no videographer, um, a lot of our uh, elopement photographers love that because they add it, and then the couple feels like they're getting uh, so much more. Like sure. they're getting a photographer, and they're getting the live stream and the video that they might not have had. Yeah, you know, I like it. Since yeah, lots of uh, lots of extras there. I love how the industry is. It's like. At its base, weddings, I feel like they haven't changed much in a long time. But technologically, there's a lot of new and fun and interesting things coming. So that's very cool. Thank you. Well, Julia, I know sure. that we are um, at the end of our time here. Uh, before I let you go, I know there's <laughs> going to be people who are interested more about you and your photography and obviously live streaming as well. So can you share with us where we can find you online? Sure. So for... My photos uh, and destination wedding photos, you can look me up at juliaeskin.com. Uh, for live streaming, it's uh, our company's eventlive.pro. And uh, you can, if you're interested in adding live streaming or trying it out, uh, you can also check out our YouTube at uh, youtube.com slash eventlivepro. Um, we have lots of resources, so and feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions. My biggest takeaway from this episode, and I know that uh, you probably know this as well now, it, it really doesn't matter how great of a photographer you are. It doesn't matter how in demand you are. You can always be kicked right in the butt and dropped to your knees. You know, Think of how you could provide a service that could help your clients regardless of the state of you know, world health. I've heard of photographers in winter months offering services to maybe their family photo clients 
where they take all of that family's snapshots and photos that they took on their iPhones throughout the year. And then the photographer then creates a family yearbook for them out of their own photos. Julia obviously leaned into live streaming for her couple's family members who maybe couldn't travel, and it paid off. Now, before we take off, I want to give a huge shout out to our photo friend, Christy, for leaving the podcast a five-star rating and review for the podcast. She says, this podcast gets me excited, motivated, and confident to go out and shoot. I've learned so much, and I am so grateful to have this resource. Thank you for everything that you do for fellow photographers, sharing your experience and knowledge to help us grow. Christy, thank you. Oh, my gosh. You know, I, when I started the podcast, I think about this because, as I've shared before on the podcast, I went to film school to learn how to make movies. And then when I transitioned into photography, it was while the settings, you know, they all they all transfer over. It's all the exposure settings all the same. Uh, I still felt like there was this this gap of information. There was a lot that I didn't know still. And while I knew parts of how to use the camera, there was still a ton that I didn't. And I thought if I can, you know, talk to others, if I could figure out, you know, what really goes into making a great photograph and then share those conversations, you know, this is going to be a, a wonderful resource for others. And, uh, you know, Christy, obviously you have found that to be true. And I'm so happy that, that you know, you have this resource that I didn't have when I first got into this. It is so much fun. And it is really the stuff that uh, I had to learn the, uh, the hard way. So enjoy. And again, Christy, thank you so much. Now, remember, before I let you go this week, photography is a service. Photography is not a product. You can deliver an incredible experience for anyone you want to share photos with by signing up for a free CloudSpot account today over at deliverphotos.com. And that is it for this week. Remember, the more that you shoot today, the better of a photographer you will be tomorrow. Talk soon. Thank you for listening to the Beginner Photography Podcast. If you enjoy the show, consider leaving a review in iTunes. Keep shooting, and we'll see you next week. 